0: Me alone without a dream in my heart. Hello, welcome to Off the Shelf Reviews. I have no notepad, so I'm going to wing this one completely. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss An American Werewolf in London, which came out in 1981, written and directed by John Landis. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis?
1: Well, the story follows two American backpackers, Jack and David, as they are going on a bit of a three-month holiday in Europe. David, as they are going on a bit of a three-month holiday in Europe. They start off in the North Dales of England, and after having a bit of an awkward encounter at a local pub, they find themselves lost on the moors and attacked by an unknown creature. David wakes up three weeks later and realizes that he may be cursed by something dark and mysterious. Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. Beware the moon, lads.
0: So, John Landis actually had the script for this many, many years before it would ever see the light of day. Many moons. Uh, many moons before. <laughs> uh, he was working on Kelly's Heroes at the time. He was like a production, second unit director, assistant, yep. etc. And uh, apparently he saw some gypsies burying somebody while he was there. And it gave him the idea of, like, resurrection, of people coming back from the dead. Yep. So, he went back home eventually and he wrote the script for An American Wolf in London. And then a few years later, he was making his own movie, Schlock. The one where he's dressed in like an ape suit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was on the set of that that he met uh, Rick Baker in Ape Suit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was on the set of that that he met uh, Rick Baker and started to talk about this script and this idea of an American werewolf in London. Mm -hmm. Rick Baker was like, well, I do all these special effects. I'll do the werewolf for you. Yeah. Years and years and years later... You know, Rick Baker has now been signed on to finally do this werewolf that he wanted to do for The Howling. Yep, yep. Uh, because no one wanted to give John Landis money to make this hybrid horror comedy werewolf thing. Mm. It had ne- never been done. No one wants to see horror and comedy in the same film. <laughs> uh, but it was only then when Rick Baker was signed on to Howling, Howling was in production, that the studio went, oh, they're making a werewolf movie. Oh, 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 oh we got one here somewhere. John, yes. John Landis, you got your money. Go ahead and make it. And there's when he called up Rick Baker and said, get off howling. We're finally doing this werewolf movie that I told you about 10 years ago. Let's go make it.
1: Yeah, I, I love that idea and the fact that then Rick Baker is going to ring up Rob Bottin and he's just like, dude, uh, can you carry on doing this? I've got to go off and do this. You yep, know? And the yep. two of them probably talked into the middle of the night going, well, I'm going to do this in my movie and you should probably do well, this. Well, the two and... of
0: them are, for me, like the two greatest pioneers ah. of transformation, body morphing, special effects in films. Man,
1: if they'd worked together on one movie. I know, right? You I know. know, bring them both out of retirement now I, th- I think it's also crazy as well that this film came out the same year as The Howling and the same year as Wolfen.
0: All around the same time. Like, the yeah.
1: beginning of the 80s was, like, Werewolf Central. Yeah, and, like, I, so I was researching. Obviously, we've been doing The Howling series and this was our, our big one at the end of it, but... Like reading up about Wolfen as well, I'm like, oh man, we should have tried to maybe fit that one in because you've got the special effects of Howling, then you've got the special effects of American Werewolf, and then because you had those guys there, you had nobody on Wolfen. Right? So you, <laughs> you don't have werewolf <laughs> transformations, you, you just have then You just got camera work in, in that movie. But I, I've always had a special connection with this movie ever since I was a really, really teeny weeny little Ian. Um, you know, I've always loved film, I've always loved television, um, and I, I, my memory fades as I get older, but the basics stay the same. I know I was in my front room, I was constantly seeing the front cover of An American Werewolf in London, which is like a side shot of like David Norton's face in mid-transformation. You've got the title on the movie, you know, and I remember like a family member thinking it was funny that they should put this film on for me at such a young age and that I should watch it you know because the 80s (laughs) that's what we did to kids um and 16 minutes into the movie a moment happens which was so absolutely fucking terrifying for me at such a young age that it just cemented the movie as being that one movie you'll always have that one movie that scared you that always that one movie that you'll have memories of and nostalgic feelings and you'll go oh i remember watching that when i was blah blah for me it's an american werewolf in london and it's amazing how the film lulls you because when you have that opening with blue
0: moon playing Right, right. Well, that's the thing with this film as well, is with the, the very first test audiences that Universal screened this for were really all a bunch of uh, of seniors. <laughs> and so they apparently all walked out of the screening. Oh, yeah, and man! <laughs> dude, seriously, but first time I swear. <laughs> John Landis went on to say that this film was advertised, though, as from the director of National Lampoon's Animal House. So people were yeah. like, yeah, Animal House, let's go see the next one, you know? And they get this... <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, you know, but that's what I mean. The lulling of this movie, you know, with that music playing, the, the quietness of, of, of the Moors. I love how mysterious and isolating it just makes you feel. Right. You know, being the fact, you know, from the UK, don't live too far from the Moors. I've seen it, you know, when you stand up there and there's just no civilization for miles and you're thinking, fuck, like, there could be a wolf over there. Um, <laughs> And you see the truck pull up, uh, and David and Jack just kind of gradually just slowly get out of the back of the truck. You know, they've been traveling, you don't know where exactly they've come from slowly get out of the back of the truck. You know, they've been traveling, you don't know where exactly they've come from, you know, and you don't exactly know where they're going, but you've got these two great actors who are just like, Yep, we're traveling, and David Norton and Griffin Dunn. I'd only it was only what a four or five years ago we watched After Hours yes. with Griffin Dunn yeah. and he's fabulous he,
0: is. They're, he both, is they're both really good I mean I, I was really surprised that they, they got the Dr. Pepper guy I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud I'm part of an original crowd and if you look around these days there seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze I'm a pepper he's a pepper she's a pepper we're a pepper wouldn't you like to be a pepper too these two actors, um, they, they hired um, they hired David Norton, but they had trouble with Griffin Dunn because it was going to be a UK production. Right, right. The UK was like, we well, can't have that many a- American actors coming over. So John Landis went, fine, we'll do an American Wild in from Paris instead. And uh, the <laughs> studio were just like, oh, 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 uh, oh. And they gave it
1: a little time. They went, oh, okay, you can have him. Yeah, you can, you can bring <laughs> him. Man, if they, they should have gone with that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no one wants to see it in Paris. But the, the, these two friends, you know, they completely settle you in. They've known each other for an incredibly long time. You know, they're on this three-month sabbatical holiday, you know, and and they're kind of miserable, or at least Jack is, because he'd love to be sunning himself, you know, in Europe next to a pool, maybe with a drink in his hand, where, where David is happy to be isolated in the moors, you know, with it raining sometimes. <laughs> And once they enter into the Slaughtered Lamb, which I like, for me, if I came across a pub with a certain name, you know, (laughs) like a couple of places you don't go to. You don't go to the Overlook Hotel, you don't go to the Slaughtered Lamb, and you don't go to the Titty Twister. Right. You know, these are places you just don't go. But they walk into the pub and it's just such awesome awkwardness. You know that atypical locals.
0: Well, exactly. It's it's the fact. I mean, it feels more local to us. (laughs) But it's the fact that you have these two American outsiders. That you know the the pub just goes quiet. Everybody's eyeballing them. They're complete outsiders. They're uncomfortable. But you know that they're wet and they're hungry and they sit down and they ask for soup. They ask for food and they're given nothing. Like uh, they're they're offered tea and uh, and they say, "Well, I'm nothing." Like uh, they're, they're offered tea. And uh and then she's like, Well, I haven't got any, but I'll go and put some on for <laughs> yeah. you two. Yeah, Like who who in England doesn't have the cat on? Exactly. Like, I was just like, "Oh, like that, that that's gotta hurt. They <laughs> yeah. don't have tea for you. Uh but it, it's just you know, they they notice the pentagram on the wall and, yeah. and the burning candles and uh you know and the the rest of the town are joking about the Alamo remember the Alamo yeah yeah you know, and in the background you you you've got to recognize uh, drop dead fred <laughs> <laughs> and and the uh, the warden from alien 3
1: oh man Brian Glover and Rick Mayo in the, in the background <laughs> absolutely class i i love the guy who obviously he he's got the darts yeah um i, I can't remember his name but he he he's been in like like like, the last two Pirates of Caribbean movies, yeah, you yeah. know, he's a great British actor as well. You made me miss. <laughs> you made me miss. And, and that's just the way that, like, because you've got these two American actors, and then you've got this plethora of British actors, you know, kind of making them feel uncomfortable. That even when Brian Glover lightens the mood and tells the Alamo joke... You know, and everybody breaks down laughing. When Jack turns innocently and says, What's the star for? Like, everything just drops. Uh, excuse me. What's that star on the wall for? And now it. He, he, the film brilliantly balances. And I, I've seen this film maybe 20, 30 times. Uh, this is the first time to proper sit down and, you know, deconstruct it. The film brilliantly balances the comedy and the horror so well as if as if it's like it's coming out of black and white classic horrors and it's coming into the 80s but it can't go too deep into the 80s because well the 80s was really colorful and crazy so we've still got to keep the mysterious villagers who don't like the outsiders telling them to get out of the pub because how dare them they come to hear those city folk but they know the villagers know they've just sent the city folk off to their deaths.
0: They get that cryptic warning, you know, to beware the moon and stay on the path. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, well, yeah. Man, that's cryptic. That's okay. I just <laughs> sat back down in my chair. Like, so don't go outside. But why, why? Why the fuck they didn't just buy round of drinks for everybody in the pub? That literally totally broke the ice. Oh, what's the pentagram for? Get out. Uh, How about drinks for everybody? Okay, let's talk about this giant star we've got to keep away, you know, bad spirits. Well, the movie's gotta happen, and these two didn't, it looked like they wanted to get out of there anyway. Oh,
0: totally. It's, yeah. But, uh, you know, the the two actors, uh, I think it was Griffin Dunn was complaining. He felt very uncomfortable because they shot this in January in Wales. You know, it was freezing cold. You can literally see him, like, wiping snot out of his nose. You know, the actors were very uncomfortable, but they did shoot this entire film chronologically nice so they did shoot from the beginning all the way through uh, mainly because like they, they needed to give rick baker more time to continue making all of the effects
1: yes uh, yeah but
0: they also thought you know usually you only shoot chronologically when it's for the actors benefit because they get to grow their character and feel the characters changes as they go but yeah this was just done yeah you know they, they need the effects time But this is the build up. This is our last real moment of getting to know these two where they talk about the folks back home in America. Yeah. You know, they start singing until they realize they're lost. And then one of this film's most signature anythings is the wolf howl. It's a full moon. Beware the moon and stick to the road. Oops.
1: We're lost. Oh, shit, David! What? Yeah.
0: It is. I. It is. It, it's enough to make your hair stand up on end. It's, it's
1: spine-chilling. It, the beauty I find of it, it's not your traditional howl. You know, like you, you like werewolf howl. Wolf howls all pretty much sound the same, other than the the wolf itself could change its side and stuff. This isn't a normal wolf howl. This is like if a demon shot shouted into like a a, a fucking mouthpiece in a tunnel Shouted into like a a, a fucking mouthpiece in a tunnel Like a a, a fucking mouthpiece in a tunnel Mouthpiece in a tunnel Tunnel Tunnel
0: You know, yeah, It does. It seems to hit like a particular note or a sound level yeah. that just immediately, you know, gets your attention. And, and it is, it's apparently, it's like seven to nine different animal sounds. Yes. And all then, mixed yeah. together. A lion, an elephant, a tiger, a wolf, and I believe a train.
1: Because <laughs> well, that's the thing, because obviously being a, a werewolf, it's a, it's a hybrid of all these different things, you know, and I love the fact that Because of, I don't know, camera work at the time, directing, people's ideas, maybe the fact that Rick Baker didn't have the the things available or it wouldn't look right in the camera. Everything is worked by just perspective. And so you, you follow the camera following Jack and David as they hear the howl. And they're walking and they're like, look, we need to walk away from it. So immediately you're like, it's behind them. And then when the camera comes and sits in front of them, so they're looking at you and you hear it growl again. Then they're like, it's in front of us. And they're looking at you. It oh it gets me every time. Cause I want to see what the wolf looks like, but at the same time, I don't. And like I said, the kid in me. When I was a kid, I didn't know this at the time. When I was a kid, I'm like, oh, I don't see anything. You know, horror movies do this all the time. You're cutting back to the pub, you know, and the villagers are just cementing the fact that there's something out there.
0: It's a, this is, again, for me, where the comedy is just, it really hits it really well, where, you know, the Brian Grover's just like, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> and, like, the wolf howl is, like, a moment later and he's just like, no, 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 I do like it. At the barmaid, she's just at least like, you've got to go
1: after them. You can't
0: send them out there on their own. This is it. For
1: me, they're, they are protecting themselves from this evil spirit that they know is out there. They don't there, want the truth to get out. But they don't want the truth. So, like, he's ignoring it and he's hoping that the wolf will kill them and destroy all evidence so that they can just keep it. And I'm like, no, you should try to find this. But... Then Jack and David are moving through and this bit, this bit will always sit with me for probably until the day I die from, like I said, that little kid in me sitting in front of the TV, watching this moment, David and Jack walking really quickly and David slipping. And you think, oh my God, and it's a bit of a jump scare. And he goes to help Jack up and you forget the fucking wolf's there. Until so, it's there.
0: <laughs> and, you know, Griffin Dunn, you know, Jack La- La- Landis told him just to, like, let Rip with the screams. And just are, go God, for it. That's what and and, it, and th- I think that's what triggers the reaction in the audience is that You know, his, oh, my God, screams of help, like, Jesus Christ. It
1: sounds so real, so horrible. It's up there with the girl from Jaws. Yes, yeah, absolutely the first kill. And it just
0: really sets the tone and the mood. And, you know, like, you can't fault David for just running away. It's like a natural human response to run away. But, you know, he hears his scream, his friend still screaming. And he does, after a few moments, like, you know, come back to his senses and go running back to his friend only to see the the remains yeah uh, before he is also pounced on by the wolf and then the uh, saved literally by the villagers with shotguns they turn up they shoot whatever it is on top of him yeah you know and david's still like just trying to regain his senses after being attacked turns over and sees a naked man filled with bullet wounds And uh, now that immediately, in when the film first released, that confused the hell out of everybody. Really, but it was like, I guess, like by the time we got to see the film, we'd already known werewolf. Yes, werewolf mythology just became as obvious as. You know, you know, vampires and uh, and, yeah, and sunlight as as you, and garlic. As soon as
1: you're <laughs> scratched by a wolf, you know, and you're not immediately yeah. killed, you are going to become So the one. moment we see the human corpse there, like my mind just went immediately like, oh that was the werewolf. Yeah, I like I remember when I was when when it was young me, watching it for the first time, being surprised, shocked, but understanding that I've just seen this monster, animal, dog, wolf thing attack and kill a grown man and now the body's on the floor. He was a werewolf.
0: Yeah. Flat out, you know. Uh, it just goes to show that from, like, 1981 all the way through to now, like, how much more everyone... Every, like,
1: universally, we know the rules of, of werewolves and vampires. Yeah, yeah. And then the film... The film then jumps brilliantly to... those. Yeah. And then the film... The film then jumps brilliantly to the hospital in, in London, and we get introduced to... Um, nurse alex price in london and we get introduced to um nurse alex price played by the amazing the legendary the like oh so gorgeous jenny agatha i have i've had a soft spot for this lady since since probably walkabout yeah you know like like she is amazing She's a brilliant British actress as well, and she just cements with me in this film the the innocent kind of girl in the story, the love interest. You know, without even without even trying, like she's so pretty. Like David not falling in love with her would be a plot hole for the movie. <laughs> well, I, I do find,
0: like the the service that he receives in this hospital. You know, like... <laughs> God, the NHS has gone. <laughs> right like, Jesus Christ. like is this is all like you know he gets fed in bed he gets looked after he gets pampered i mean the you know, is... and then she takes him home with him yes. with her afterwards he's just he gets pampered i mean the you know, is... and then she takes him home with him yes. with her afterwards
1: he's just like wow oh but but the the whole time in the hospital is it's an amazing middle section of the movie and it's amazing to realize that this movie is only an hour and a half long And the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, is that first wolf attack. And then you will not have anything else happen, really. Until the hour mark, and like I said, it's only an hour and a half. But the way everything is condensed, especially in this hospital section, you know, uh, nurse. Prize, but the way everything is condensed, especially in this hospital section, you know, uh, nurse price. But the way everything is condensed, especially in this hospital section, you know, uh, nurse price. The way everything is condensed, especially in this hospital section, you know, nurse price. Everything is condensed, especially in this hospital section, you know, nurse price. Uh, finish condensed, especially in this hospital section. You know, uh, nurse prize uh, condensed, especially in this hospital section. You know, uh, nurse prize uh, doctor, especially in this hospital section. You know, uh, nurse prize uh, uh, doctor Hirsch hospital section. You know, uh, nurse prize doctor Hirsch hospital section. You know, uh, nurse prize uh, doctor Hirsch election. Uh, you know, uh, nurse prize. Uh, uh Dr. Hirsch uh looking into the uh the, into the attack and you start to understand what's going on through Dr. Hirsch's involvement with the detectives you know how the villagers found the boys you know and and killed this lunatic Dr. Hirsch explains like they didn't even see uh Jack's body you know it was pretty much tagged and and, and sent away Uh, David's wounds were already cleaned and treated, even though the doctor uh, doctor didn't even see him. But here he is, and so he's being explained to, like, your friend is dead. So... does feel a little bit like a conspiracy because the detectives
0: closed the case. Case does feel a little bit like a conspiracy because the detectives closed the case. Case closed. We know, you know, what happened.
1: Oh, I did put that down to the ineptitude of those police officers. <laughs> you know, the villagers, the villagers are definitely covering it all up. And I love the way that Dr. Hersh says to David at one point, like look, if there was a giant monster running around Northern England, we'd have seen it on the telly. <laughs> like, yeah, no, wouldn't. <laughs>
0: like, no, no, exactly. I am sitting there like, this is come. in the modern age where you everyone's know. out there with mobile phones, you know? But, uh, but, 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 but you were right about one thing that's one of the big themes of the film hmm. is uh, like survivor's guilt. Yes. You know, because he didn't do anything really to help his friend. He survived this attack and so he's dealing with the guilt of, of losing his friend. Yeah. You know, while still being this outsider. But but it's also those nightmares
1: that start to come along
0: yes those nightmares are you know some of the one of the one of the highlights yes. of the film because they're so wild yeah you know we have the the dream sequences beginning where he's just running through the woods naked mm-hmm. and that was the reason why dr pepper fired him from ever coming back <laughs> um and you know and then we see the shots where he's seeing the deer you know and he's pouncing and he's eating decapitated deer or leg yeah. uh but then we get the scene where he's in the hospital bed in the war in, in deer or leg yeah uh, but then we get the scene where he's in the hospital bed in the war in the woods you know and you have that that blast where his eyes open and you see all the fangs you know and you have that that blast where his eyes open and you see all the fangs and then we get the next dream sequence which is the real the you know the, it's the one where he dreams when we get the next dream sequence which is the real the you know the, it's the one where he dreams where he's back in the safety of his home mm. you know and you know it's it's uh you know we find out that David is a Jewish person and so you know he's li- he's got this idyllic household we also find out that one of the nurses at the beginning copped a feel at his uh, <laughs> nakedness yeah. but while he was brought in yeah just to remind you that he's Jewish yeah and um and so yeah the the, the Nazi werewolves turn up at the door and gun down the entire family whilst I think it's Rick Baker werewolf man has got the knife to his throat and slits his throat afterwards and you're like that, that was so violent, so unexpected and sudden. Yeah. Like you just, you're like you're, you're violent, so unexpected and sudden. Yeah. Like you just, you're like you're, you're trying to process what just happened and then, you know, you watch it back and you go, man, those werewolf masks were terrible. <laughs> yeah. But like only now watching them on Blu ray do I go, those masks were terrible. Only because there was no articulation. Like the eyes didn't move, the but, mouths didn't move. But
1: that, I think, also feeds into the fact for me that it's a dream sequence of just how silly and over the top it True, is it is insane. a memory of of a dream maybe yeah. you know because... but it was
0: also the fact that because rick baker had his hands full with all the other stuff he was doing
1: yeah
0: um he literally got some volunteers these were fans of rick baker that, he, oh, that, nice. that messaged in wrote letters in saying we love your work we we're trying to do work like you do we we'd love to help yeah and so we went, yeah, come and work for me for free if you can we're gonna you're gonna make these werewolf masks for the stream sequence and, uh, and so there we go. Now it is just so effective in how violent it is, but it's it's the fact that John Landis wanted to play with the audience a little bit because mm. we watched David wake up and he sat there with <laughs> nurse. That's why she's like, "I got a headache." She's like, "I got just the thing for that." Just <laughs> yeah. open the curtains and there's another Nazi werewolf just stabbing her to death.
1: It's it's <laughs> fucked up, and I I loved deconstructing all these nightmare sequences and then realizing that as you play them, they it just subtly the movie tells you about how david's changing internally yes you know like, about how david's changing internally yes you know like about how david's changing internally yes you know like when <inaudible> about how david's changing internally yes you know like when he found david's changing internally yes you know like when he first david's changing Internally, yes, you know, like when he first sees it's changing internally, yes, you know, like when he first sees him changing internally, yes, you know, like when he first sees himself naked, you know, he's he's now the wolf, his wild nature coming alive, attacking the deer and eating it, you know, when he sees alive, attacking the deer and eating it, you know, when he sees and alive, attacking the deer and eating it. You know, when he sees, like I, like I realize that he starts to. He's like I, like I realize that he starts to. He's like I, like I realize that he starts to talk to Nurse Price because she feeds him. At one point, is that he starts to talk to Nurse Price because she feeds him. At one point, because he's, he's not hungry. And then he has the dream where he's the monster in the bed. And that's where the movie's telling you, like, he's starting to dream about her now. You know, when he then goes home, this is him wanting to go home. But then this is the movie telling you what would happen if he brought the monster home. He would kill and destroy his whole entire family. Yeah. So then the next morning... It was
0: because his uh, his friend has now re- arrived yeah. <laughs> into the hospital, you know. And, and this for me was where I was oh. like, you know what? I've oh, always man. said that the werewolf effects were the best thing about this movie. Yeah. But watch- you know what? I've oh, always man. said that the werewolf effects were the best thing about this movie. Yeah. But watching Griffin Dunn come in, in in, in that gory makeup <laughs> yeah. with the flapping... Come in 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 that gory makeup yes. with the flapping bit of skin you know it's' it's that flapping bit of skin that it's, makes up for it the flapping bit of skin you know it's' it's that flapping bit of skin that makes up for it. it was flapping bit of skin you know it's' it's that flapping bit of skin that makes up for it it would seem to have been a mistake but like that cell that's the final selling
1: piece it's the detail it's, isn't it that's it's
0: the, the hole in the neck it's cell that's the final selling piece it's, it's the detail isn't it that's it's the, the hole in the neck it's cell that's the final selling piece. Piece. It's the detail, isn't it's, it? That's it's the, the f- hole in the neck. It's the, the fact that it is bright, fluorescent. Detail, it's, isn't it? That's it's the, the hole in
1: the neck. It, it's the, the fact that it
0: is bright, fluorescent lights. You yeah. know, there's no shadows. There's no, no hiding it. Yeah. You see it. And now seeing it in Blu ray and seeing it in its full. Like, it's it. Yeah. You see it. And now seeing it in Blu ray and seeing it in its full. Like, it's. Amazing uh, practical work right there, and Griffin Dunn sells it so well by being so happy and in such a good mood, you know, whilst being dead.
1: See, now, question. Now, we've seen this movie a load of times, so I think this is the best time for me to bring it up. Does he actually eat the toast? In a deleted scene, yes and the and the toast comes out of right, right right neck. right right but no what i'm saying is it does he actually eat the toast i mean are we saying that the that the spirit of jack comes from the other side into the real world and picks up a toast like poltergeist style dips it into his egg eats it and says oh you're a werewolf because the, the well, movie... so
0: you're saying if other people were to come in and see that moment yes. would they see flying toast yeah exactly that's
1: what I'm saying or is this all in David's head is is it in David's I'm going to say it's in David's head because I mean because I... nobody else sees the ghost of Jack no I know I get that I, nobody nobody else hears him or sees him but that's that's what I think is like I, I tend to believe that 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 would actually happen. Because I and I and I use the sequel, I know this is blasphemous, and I know a lot of people are gonna be is a sequel. There is a sequel to an American werewolf in London. There is, I mean, Jesus Christ, John Landis was planning one like fucking straight after this one. But from what we understand from Jack when he explains, he he explains that he's quit in a limbo and that everybody who is killed by the werewolf curse, not just by the werewolf, but Anybody who is killed by the werewolf curse, the bloodline, they will not go to heaven or hell or whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and they're just going to walk around in life, surrounded by the living and the occasional corpse. And that's it. And, and But he, he explains it to David. Like, he's been informed of all this by some other outside influence. Like, the universe has now told him this because, well, what else is he going to fucking do? And that he has to to convince David to kill himself, or David is going to change. The
0: undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. I'm lonely.
1: Take your life, David. And he even drops the bombshell like, dude, in two days you're going to change. And And you sit there like, fuck, the time jumping in this movie is amazing. They've gone from one full moon to then three weeks. To then, boom, two days. It's going to be the big change time. And we still haven't really seen anything other than... No. This zombie now corpse.
0: But uh, so we, we get some more, like, romance time now with uh, with David and, and Nurse Price where she takes him home. You know, they they share a bed, they share a shower.
1: Oh, God. The way she just looks at him. She's like, I'm not in the nature of bringing strange men home, but I find you incredibly attractive. I'm like... <laughs> 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 well, that's, you know,
0: she's just like you make some comment i'm gonna take a shower yes and does. he's just like mm-hmm, you really? you've already told
1: me all i need to know you can watch tv <laughs> while i have a shower i'm like oh, <laughs> tv jenny agato in the shower huh. but th- immediately like i it shocked me when i was watching this sort of review how I, I thought there was still a bigger space between the second visit from jack right because they do have sex and then David wakes up in the middle of the night and Jack's there looking a little bit more worse for wear like the colorization has now started to set in He's that's starting the, to rot that's the memory hitters of this movie that you're just like oh shit the continuity of the corp like so he wa- he wasn't appearing to David until David came conscious yeah
0: so he, like, because... He's not been rotting this whole time that well, he was waiting for him to wake up. Well, that's it. Jack
1: explains it like, look, I went and saw my my <laughs> yeah. funeral. I went... He so he's been to America yeah. and he's watched his funeral. He then watched his girlfriend or the girl that he fancied have sex with somebody else, which really bummed him out. And now he's come all the way back to look. Did he walk? Fly? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. But Jack explains to him like look dude seriously you really need to sort this shit out you can't be having sex with a nurse you're going to change tomorrow it's going to be bad fair and fangs and eat people bullshit oh God damn it david please believe me you'll kill and make others like me griffin Dunn is acting his fucking ass off and the shit tons of makeup you know playing well the lost soul he is that was
0: the thing he like he he said he had a you know a moment of crisis you know John Landis and uh, Rick Baker often said to him, like, are you claustrophobic Right. because of the days and hours you're going to be in this makeup? But Griffin Dunn said that when he was sat in the chair for like six hours putting on the makeup of him being dead. Yeah. He said he had, you know, like internal panic attacks because he literally saw himself like, dead in the mirror, like staring at myself in the mirror for for. Like days, and he said it drove him nuts. He literally got depressed. And then here's John Landis going, Be the happiest soul
1: of a bitch alive. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> but I love the way as well that David Norton acts his ass off as well. Yes. That he doesn't believe he's going to turn into a werewolf. He doesn't believe his friend is there, even though he, he does kind of believe that his friend is there. You know, because because Jack is touching stuff. Stuff's moving. So it's like I'm talking to a ghost. And he knows that they were attacked by a monster that night, not by a man. So... He's struggling internally. Well, exactly. He's having doubts because the police were like, it was an escaped lunatic. You know what he's talking about? Some, some lunatic yeah, werewolf? Yeah, you we can go yeah. back to America at any point. So he literally
0: lot. thinks he's having a mental breakdown because of the survivor's guilt and everything else. We do also follow the doctor to find out what was what was going on. And, yeah. you know, they give him the runaround. But at least when he asks about the pentagram, like, they've got a cover story now. <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> you know, they've actually yeah.
0: go. well, that didn't work last time. We need, we need a cover story for when oh, somebody yeah. does randomly ask. We
1: were going to paint over it, but, you know, heritage-wise... And I love the fact that you've got that one actor, the darts player, who. But you know, Heritage Wise. And I love the fact that you've got that one actor, the darts player, who. Who do Heritage Wise. And I love the fact that you've got that one actor, the darts player, who. Who does Heritage Wise. And I love the fact that you've got, you got that one actor, the darts player, who. Who does break the wise infamous- And I love the fact that you've got that one actor, the darts player, who. Who does break the Infowise. And I love the fact that you've got that one actor, the darts player, who who does break the information down. And I love the fact that you've got that one actor, the Darks player, who who does break the information down to Dr. Harsh. you know, and the darts player, who who does break the information down to Dr. Harsh. You, know? so, you know, and so it's like when Dr. Hirsch tries to explain it later, like, oh, it's like mass hysteria has taken over that village. You do have one member who's like, look, we're sorry for what we did. He needs to be stopped. We have one member who's like, look, we're sorry for what we did. He needs to be stopped. We don't want the curse escaping, you know, our secret getting out. And so then we want the curse escaping, you know, our secret getting out. And so then when you cut back to Nurse Price, she's going off to work. And so then when you cut back to Nurse Price, she's going off to work. And David is still stay- so then when you cut back to Nurse Price, she's going off to work. And David is staying in the flat on his own. The movie lulls you in again the music starts up with credence you know bad moon rising it's just playing gently in the background keeping you all happy and positive david is growling in the mirror and pretending to be a wolf and then watching tv or he's getting bored looking at the fridge because he's hungry he
0: locks himself out at one point (laughs) he
1: locks himself (laughs) out now like the movie like benji Benji's a great little actor for this movie this little this little boy in the hospital who nurse Price keeps talking to and he all he says is no! feeling better and you think he's a bit annoying but the movie uses him quite well to jump so in this sequence uh, nurse Price comes over it's nighttime she comes over and she's settling Benji down to bench he's like no I don't want to go to sleep she is like yes she, yes you are and the camera pans up and you see the full moon and the music gently changes. And all of a sudden, David starts screaming his fucking head off.
0: This transformation sequence is probably the most legendary, the best visual transformation of any character into something else ever put to screen. And probably is to this day, and probably... Will be for all time. Yeah. This is the crowning achievement, I believe, in visual practical effects, especially with a transformation. Rick Baker won the Oscar for this. The Oscar for practical special effects was created after seeing this and for all those good reasons. Yeah, This transformation, unlike the howling sequence, because in howling, when they transform, transform it's orgasmic. You know, it's euphoric. Yeah, yeah, they, they love they, it. They are enjoying it. Yeah, this is this is a tragedy this time around because, you know, he's turning into a monster which he has no control over. Yeah, and the physical agony, the biology. Of his bones breaking and recontorting, muscles stretching, yeah. face elongating, yeah. you know, cl- claws, nails, paws, the back, the ribs. Watching everything change whilst he's screaming, and all in these, you know, cuts. And and obviously, the the big takeaway here again is that it's all done under full lighting. Yeah, there's no shadows here, so yeah. you see all the details. So Rick Baker cannot hide anything from you. You know, so Rick Baker cannot hide anything from you, you know, and it, it, him and his team spent months and months and months making individual parts that would elongate or stretch. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when, you know, Landis went, action, cut, next scene, you know, Baker would be like, but I spent months doing that. Like <laughs> yeah. you used it for five seconds and he went, it'll probably be shorter in the film as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like you can imagine being devastated like all your work just for that. But then when you see that when shot, when the head it. stretches yeah, on yeah. The
1: screen, you're like nothing like that done that well before. Like in comparison, you know, and, and we've been through the Howling movies and we watched the first one like very intently and the changes in that one were really, really good. But they lit it and, and filmed it in a particular way. Like Gary said, that the the, the, the character enjoyed changing and so when they become the standing wolf thing man you know you're like okay that's cool but uh, it's, it's not great i need great what 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 is that out there that's great and then you get to an american werewolf in london and like i said just the acting from david norton screaming his goddamn head off about all the body changes he's going through you know all of the practical effects that we're just seeing happen i like the fact that it becomes A wolf not a wolf man yes you know so the wolf that we we see one shot and it really surprised me because I watched this film twice two days leading up to this review so I fucking studied it then we get that one shot where it's on all fours on the floor and the camera goes along we get that one shot where it's on all fours on the floor and the camera goes along the side and that's the only real time you'll ever get like a big long body shot of the wolf I mean, the effects are so good, but they are just effects. And so they don't look real when the camera stays on them for a little bit too long. You know, they look just enough. When I compare that wolf to then, the CGI computer affected one that we got in 97, I can see the connection. You know what? Yeah, the technology changes and the movie changes. But at least the person actually tried to keep Rick Baker's ideas... But at least the person actually tried to keep Rick Baker's idea as solid as he could for the next movie. Because how the fuck does the wolf get out?
0: Or oh, at the house? Yeah! Uh, David opens the door at one point because he's really
1: hot. And so he left the door open. Right, but, they know, but she's got a front door. She's got a front door and then she's got her door. And they've got windows. Now the other, like I reckon that the wolf because he opens the window and climbs in at one point, but you don't see him lock it. I reckon mm. the wolf actually did open the window and climb out. <laughs> because it never comes up again of how David I was or pretty sure did... the door was left open, but um... <laughs> yeah, he just walked out like nobody closes the door. None of our neighbours heard screaming. Like, <laughs> and and how does a full moon change you like? Does the moon have to be at the highest point of its zenith for you to change? Or is it like vampires? Like you just have to get the moonlight to hit you and you immediately change? Yes. Right. Okay. So (laughs) the wolf gets free and we now get a a, a spate of killings that we've already had the camera work from the original, uh, from the beginning of the movie, um, showing us the perspective of the wolf. And so the film just keeps all that up. And it just really works. You've got the boyfriend and girlfriend who are coming over for a dinner party. Hey, let's go round the back and scare them. Okay, so happy, <laughs> not realizing that some giant, huge fucking monster is just about to leap out and rip them apart.
0: Honey, those youthful hooligans are playing up in the
1: park again. <laughs> like, you, could, you tell this movie's a little bit dated because you wouldn't go to a park with hooligans in nowadays. <laughs> You ready yet?
0: I'll be here any minute. And uh, I think that this sequence is probably one of my favourites in the film when you've got the the suit guy oh. in the London Underground. London Underground you know, so yeah. for whatever reason, the London Underground is fucking empty. <laughs> That's <laughs> always a bad sign in horror movies. Right. If you're the only person down there, run. And he can hear the howling from the distance and he's like, I find this the least bit funny. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know,
0: until he, you know from the distance and he's like, I find this the least bit funny. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know,
0: until he, you know, until from the distance and he's like, I find this the least bit funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, until he you know, until he sees it and just like the beginning of the film we are now from the POV of the creature getting closer to him. Yeah. And of course he legs it, he runs. It's and, and this is one of those moments in the film where you realise like the soundtrack for this film is so minimal that this chase sequence doesn't have a single thread of music whatsoever. Mm, yeah. It's just the, you know, the tapping of his boots on the on the tiles, you know, when he, mm, yeah. it's just the, you know, the tapping of his boots on the on the tiles, you know, when he the fumbles, the heavy the breathing and the growling. And there's that moment where he falls, you know, when and he fumbles the, the heavy the breathing and the growling. And there's that moment where he falls onto the escalator and goes up. And the shot over his shoulder. Lo- <dr compte> at where he falls onto the escalator and goes up. And the shot over his shoulder looking down. Falls onto the escalator and goes up. And the shot over his shoulder looking down. Falls onto the escalator and goes up. And the shot over his shoulder looking down. Falls onto the escalator and goes up. And the shot. Over his <notion> Over his shoulder, looking down, Mm. and the escalator, and goes up, and the shot. Over his shoulder, looking down, Mm. and even though the wolf up and the shot. Over his shoulder, looking down, Mm. and even though the wolf is as far in the background as it can be, you still see the size of it.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And uh, far in the background as it can be, you still see the size of it.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And and it's it's round as it can be, you still see the size of it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and it's it's can be you still see the size of it yes yeah and and it's 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 that one shot in the movie that like I'm glad I see because it makes me appreciate all the stuff I don't see yes you know I spent a lot of time when I was a kid watching this film and that perspective of chasing him down the corridor I always used to sit there going oh you can't see anything you can't see anything so it's not really there when I got older, I understood yeah, camera work. but when you saw that shot then of him on the escalator, you can... It's enough to
0: paint... You. Camera work. But when you saw that shot then of him on the escalator, you can... It's enough to paint... But when you saw that shot then of him on the escalator, you can, it's enough to paint the, when you saw that shot then of him on the escalator, you can, it's enough to paint the, your imagination as to what just
1: followed. Yeah. Well, it's like with the, um, with the, uh, the three homeless men, they don't really have much of a great sequence. I mean, it's a great shot with the lost men. They don't really have much of a great, sequence i mean it's great shot with the london bridge they don't really have much of a great sequence i mean it's great shot with the london bridge behind they don't really have much of a great sequence i mean it's great shot with the london bridge behind them don't really have much of a great sequence i mean it's great shot with the london bridge behind them and them still around the fire but it's when one of them just says like mother of god yeah and you see a quick flash of the, the, the train that yeah. came past and
0: the, the editing of now those three uh, homeless people's death sequences were all film, mm. but John Landis kept making cuts to the film because of test audiences going, that's too violent, it's too horrible. Oh, like, man. I don't want to see that. And John Landis himself regrets making those cuts man. because he, he needed to cut the film to get an R rating, otherwise he was getting the X rating because of sex and violence and swearing.
1: Yeah, so. and I, I think that the movie... That's what makes it stand out so more. It lesses more. Yes. Once again, you know, but uh,
0: it does then help balance the horror comedy. I yes. think
1: by not having those gore shots, because we do see the after results. Of oh, some totally. Of them. Yeah. I mean, the the next bit, this this whole next bit, this this whole third of the movie is now the rundown of the movie. Like he he wakes up in the zoo, surrounded by wolves. You know, freaking out how he ever got there. And he's got to steal a little boy's balloons to cover his modesty as he's running around. And then he steals a woman's pink coat. And it, it's brilliant just watching David Norton running back and forth with the camera on him while he's trying to escape from this zoo. You know, and he's going insane. Yes, sir? Dr. Harsh and, and Nurse Price are obviously, you know, communicating about where he's gone, what's going on. You know, there's been these murders in the city, David's missing, you know, we think he might be involved somehow. And so David gets home and and Nurse Alex is like, look, Dr. Hirsch says, I've got to bring you to him. We need to find out what's going on. And David's all excited. Like, well, I'm 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 chipper, you know, I don't feel hungry anymore for whatever reason. And, you know, oh I'm I'm all awake, and so they get into a taxi, and they're driving to Dr. Hirsch. and you've got (laughs) Bricktop from Snatch, Alan Ford, driving the taxi, Right. and he mentions about the murders, six people killed all over the city, must be a right psycho, and it dawns on David that it must be him, it's true, you know, they don't know what happened to him last night, he woke up at the zoo, his friend was killed by a werewolf, there must be a connection. And I loved, like, like, once again, the movie does show itself to be a little bit dated by David running up to a police officer. And it's itself to be a little bit dated by David running up to a police officer. And itself to be a little bit dated by David running up to a police officer. And just shouting the worst obscenities I think I've ever heard.
0: You arrest me, you asshole. There's no cool for that kind of language. Queen Elizabeth is a man. Prince Charles is a...
1: And trying to be arrested, like thump the police officer if if you're going to get arrested. Right. <laughs> I, and I would have loved to have seen that because then my mind goes, oh, imagine them throwing him in a cell, and then the, the, bo- transformation, the transformation, and then the werewolf escaping in the police precinct. In the police precinct. And then know? we're going to have wolf cup. And he woke up, you know. Or what happens if he had got to doctor Hirsch and they tied him to a bed, you know? But like we said, the movies. Keeping the comedy element of, of David actually yeah. not being arrested, so he runs
0: away. Yeah, runs, he runs away, and uh, David actually yeah.
1: not being arrested.
0: So he runs away. Yeah, runs, he runs away, and uh, he ends up. Uh, this is one of my favorite scenes again. It shows the humanity of his character, where he goes to a payphone. Oh, yeah, and yes, he calls. He sequence. calls back home, and he can't speak to his parents, but he speaks to his sister, and he's just like, let. us He sequence. calls back home, and he can't speak to his parents, but he speaks to his sister, and he's just like, let just tell mum and dad I love them. I love you too. Yeah you know just everything's okay
1: it's that little bit that little bit of dialogue he says where he's just like what do you mean you've been left home alone they would have never have let me stay yeah. home at the age 10 yeah. <laughs> you know like how times have changed and it's just him on the phone yeah, you know, he's not really talking to him but but that yeah. he's yeah, But you he sells it. Yeah.
0: I mean it's again like this film's a tragedy, you yeah. know. Uh but this, this next bit again back to the comedy where he sees Jack on the other side of the road. <laughs> Jack's Jack, looking "Hey, come bad. in. Come here, He's looking real bad. He's looking real bad on the other side of the road. like <laughs> "Hey, come bad. in. Come in. He's looking real bad. He's looking real bad <laughs> side of the road. the <laughs> "Hey, come bad. in. Come in. He's looking real bad. He's looking real bad <laughs> <laughs> road.
1: like "Hey, come bad. in.
0: Come in. He's looking real bad. He's
1: looking real bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, we can see on the, the, you know, on the billboard outside that they're watching See You Next Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, when he goes in there, he sits down and it, it, it's an orgy. It's a porno movie that they're watching. What? The but he sat, sat there with, with now Puppet Jack and all of the corpses of all of those that, that, that he'd eaten the night
1: before. Is that an actual film that they're watching or is it one that they just made up no, for it was
0: the very first thing that John Landis filmed before going into full production with this so he, he right. shot that ready to put into i mean for this. jesus now, Christ. original <laughs> in the original script it wasn't a porno theater it was a cartoon theater ah oh, okay because when he wrote the script in the 60s and 70s those theaters in london yeah. would be showing old cartoons. warner brothers cartoons, cartoons yeah but then in the 80s, they all turned into porno theatres. Yeah. So he was like, well, I have to change the script and turn it into that now. Yeah. Uh, but the, here's, like, the thing that John Landers has said. He didn't even mean it to be a thing, but it is a thing. But back when he was writing scripts, he wrote a script called See You Next Wednesday, but it never got picked up. Or he wrote a script called See You Next Wednesday, but it never got picked up or right. developed a script called See You Next Wednesday, but it never got picked up or developed script called... See you next Wednesday, but it never got picked up or developed. Right. Called, see you next Wednesday, but it never got picked up or developed. Right. right. So called, see you next Wednesday, but it never got picked up or developed. Right. right. So whenever see you next Wednesday, but it never got picked up or developed. Right, right. So whenever he see you next Wednesday, but it never got picked up or developed. Right. right. So whenever he see you next Wednesday, but it never got picked up or developed. Right, right. So whenever he borrowed Wednesday but it never got picked up or developed. Right, right. So whenever he borrowed a line but it never got picked up or developed. Right, right. So whenever he borrowed a line of dialogue from that unused script yeah. he would give it a nod in whatever film it's cameoing in. Nice, nice. You'll see it in Blues Brothers when the cops are parked outside. The Big Bill cameoing in. Nice, nice. You'll see it in Blues Brothers when the cops are parked outside. The Big Billboard. Yep, see you next, see you next Wednesday. Trading places in the background of his apartment. The poster's there. See you next Wednesday. That's, a,
1: that's amazing. Uh,
0: the, the line itself comes from 2001 A Space Odyssey when the guy's calling back to his parents and the very last thing the dad says is we'll see you next Wednesday
1: see you next Wednesday
0: and that's where it's all kind of come from and you'll love it. you'll be looking out for it now in other John Landis movies it's not in all of them but no. it's it's just this thing that fans uh, people with on the internet like to point out
1: it's amazing I'm I love the fact that this this porno movie that we're watching you know the the actors themselves even even reference it. Where like up to this point, if you watch an American Werewolf in London, up to this point, you've been on the on the hell ride right, you love in every moment. And they watch this porno, and you get that guy who walks in who's just like, I can't believe you would do this. And then the guy on the bed's just like, I don't know who you are. I'm talking to her. I don't know who you are either. Oh, sorry. And he just walks out. <laughs> and then David cuts to Jack and goes. Great movie. And and Jack's like, mm-hmm. And you feel that. I felt it watching the film. Like, yeah, American Werewolf in London is a great movie. Because then you get this whole conversation part. You know, Jack is, like I said, he's looking rotten. He's, he's a puppet. I love he's got his, his eyes are really wide. And my mind's just like, well, it's because his, his eyelids are gone. His eyelids are <laughs> gone. He can't fucking close them. And then he's looking around. And he says to David, like, look, here are the people you killed last night. They are now walking limbo corpses like me and you'll just make more and more and more and your mind goes fucking hell so that old man at the beginning I wonder how many he saw right you know and maybe he was an escaped lunatic because he believed he was seeing the dead people that he was killing um and they're all coming up with these great fucking ideas of suicide you could cheat yourself yes. all you need is a gun just aim it towards your head and pull the trigger or put it in your mouth don't miss cyanide you know and they're like, they're, they're, they're all pissed at him, you know, but Jack's just like, look, he's my friend. Fucking lay off him, you know, we're, we're, we're trying the best we can. Pills? Not sure enough. I could hang myself. No. No, if you
0: did it wrong, it could be painful. You'd choke to death. No, if you did it wrong, it could be painful. You'd choke to death. But then, no, if you did it wrong, it could be painful. You'd choke to death but then the... oh, if you did it wrong
1: it could be painful you'd choke to death but then the moon comes out wrong it could be painful you'd choke to death but then the moon comes out that one final time and he starts to change but then the moon comes out that one final time and he starts to change but then the moon comes out that one final time and he starts to change and the moon comes out that one final time and he starts to change In comes out that one final time, and he starts to change in the cinema. That one final time, and he starts to change in the cinema. That one final time, and he starts to change in the cinema. That one final time, and he starts to change in the cinema. You get that one usher who's just like, What's going on here? (laughs) He's like, (laughs) Get
0: out now, please, I'm going to turn yeah and uh we get uh the commotion as loads of people come running out screaming and we get the one police officer going in there with a flashlight and he looks and we see the carnage yeah. the mess of this corpse and this is probably the best shot i think of the wolf like you know more full of blood and yes. remains yes the uh, just howling body. yeah just yeah. great great and then you know then we've got the shutters coming down we got and we got the police running around outside
1: i read in the note sequence that um you know, he had to shut Piccadilly Circus down yeah. to be able to film this sequence. And that's not something fucking easy to do, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to shut Piccadilly Circus down, you know, trying to shut down a major section of a city. But to do that, he um, he allowed the Metropolitan Police officers to watch an early screening of the Blues Brothers. That's right. And, and they were so impressed by how he filmed in the city and how he made it look that they were like, yeah, okay then, but you've only got like from 1 a.m. till 4 a.m.? So you've got, you got a small th- window. You've got a three hour stint to film what you need to So you've you got, got a got small th- window. You've got a three hour stint to film what you need to film. And that's mainly what this whole section is. This whole crash sequence. Because, uh, you know, Dr. Hirsch and Nurse Price get information that there's a wild dog running around Piccadilly Circus. The police detectives head down there as well because they've heard rumours that David is down there too. The wolf... Smashes through the shutters and the detective who's been completely inept throughout the whole movie and has been belittling his hectic, who's been completely inept throughout the whole movie and has been belittling... His partner, you know, and making out that there's no such things as incredibly giant, huge, mysterious monsters, gets his head fucking bitten off <laughs> by this incredibly huge, mysterious it monster. bounces off the hood of the car into the street. Yeah, and makes a crash. You've got cars crashing everywhere, buses crashing in, people getting squashed. You've got cars crashing everywhere, buses crashing in, people getting squashed There's bodies on the floor. Everywhere, buses crashing in, people getting squashed as bodies on the floor, John you, Landis cat crashes in, people are getting squashed, there's bodies on the floor. John you, Landis cameo as he flies through the glass. You got that great shot of the wolf kind of walking through the crowd. Now, older me, you know, more experienced me knows that you know you've got four or five guys holding a model as it's walking through as the cameras well, follow. It's
0: a it, it's actually a guy laying on a plank.
1: Oh. And so it's his arms in the front of the suit.
0: So you've nice. got they they decided that because it wasn't gonna be bipedal two legs, it's gonna be the four legged creature. Yeah. The Rick Baker decided that the creature would be you know like when you the wheelbarrow race when yeah, somebody yeah, hold yeah. your legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the design that they went ah, for. Ah, yeah. So there's literally like you never see the back end of the wolf no, because no. there'll be two legs sticking out of his butt. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the
1: guy laying down in yeah. the suit. Yeah, and, and, and uh, like I said, w- They didn't have CGI at this point, people, so that when they did get CGI in 1997, everyone went, oh, look, shit. But in comparison... Again, just to do the the shots of just the werewolf head we're
0: just snapping at things going by. That's Rick Baker sat in a wheelchair with just the head prop that can snap its jaws and and the director pushing him in the wheelchair around. Yeah. Around Piccadilly Square. It's so simple. It's so
1: simple. (laughs) It's so simple. And and they, they get the wolf cornered at the end of this alleyway. Now, part of me is just like, why don't they just wait until dawn you know and just sit there with the this is very you true know, just sit there until dawn I mean it, okay it's gonna try and attack but it's I get the feeling the wolf is scared and it's running part of you th- thinks that David is still alive in there
0: all, all of these thoughts I mean the film doesn't really give you enough chance to no. process these thoughts mm. because you know nurse price goes down there and she's like David i love you yeah you know, it was one of the last things he said to her as well yeah and you see the close-up of the, yeah. you know, it was one of the last things he said to her as well yeah and you see the close-up of the wolf and you see it relax its snout like it's realized like it's realized like it like it 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 doesn't have to be afraid it, yeah. it doesn't have to fight and kill yeah but then it launches at her and gets shot down and killed
1: yeah because uh, well part of me still thinks that when you're the wolf you are 90% the wolf and 10% still the man. So when you're the man, you're 90% the man, but it's 10% still 10% the wolf inside. So he recognised Alex and he didn't want to attack her, but he's the wolf. This is what they do. They attack and kill. And so, yeah, he gets blasted.
0: there was the part of him that knew that if he did attack her... He know all the cops have got guns and rifles on him. He's going to get shot down and killed, and he needs to die to yeah, end the curse. But... So he could have done it as a suicide attack. I mean, but in... it's it's unlikely. We we don't know. You can no. just theorize and and come up with
1: ideas. L- like but... fan, like I, I I came up with fan, uh, I did fan ideas back in the day of you know they had sex, you know, while he was infected with the werewolf stuff. Yeah. So after he's died, if she was to get a baby. Well, yeah, I mean, in the, in the
0: uh, unmade like second script that never really materialized, she yeah. she does have a werewolf baby, yeah, and then becomes a werewolf hunter, and
1: and rumors were circling in, uh, in nineteen ninety seven. American Werewolf in Paris was supposed to be the main the main actor was.